Should you freak out about the Zika virus on this healthcare edition of Industry Focus? And welcome to Industry Focus Healthcare. It is Wednesday, March 2nd, 2016. Yay, March. I'm your host, Christine Hargis. And joining me via phone is healthcare contributor Todd Campbell. Todd, I know you've been having some computer difficulties lately. How is it doing? Is it all fixed? I, I hope so. I apologize in advance to uh, anyone if it, if it doesn't come through uh, to the normal standard, if you will. <laughs> Well, hopefully it's all good to go. It sounds like it might have narrowly skirted a virus, maybe a Zika virus, which just so happens to be today's topic. How's that for a transition? That was pretty good. Yeah, I tried. So, Zika has been in the news a ton lately. Um, You get some pretty sensational headlines. Just Googling it earlier today to do research for this episode, I saw New York Times writes, Zika virus spreading explosively in America's WHO says... Uh, I saw another one. American women begin aborting babies over Zika fears. So this is a pretty big deal. Do you think that's rightly so? No, I think everybody should take a step back and maybe breathe a little deeply here. It's it, there is there's no doubt that people need to. Um, it's something that people are going to have to be be paying attention to, especially if you travel. Um, but you know this is uh, affecting a very 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 small percentage of the population so you know yes um it's transmitted by a mosquito that you know is very common in you know tropical temperature regions like south america and latin america but this is not something that you know i think everybody needs to um to batten down the hatches if you will and put the plywood up on the windows about Yeah, it seems like the symptoms for this are pretty mild, you know, rash, fever, headache, joint pain. But when you really start to get problematic is if you are a pregnant woman because of some possible complications with your birth. For the vast majority of people, it's uh, exactly the symptoms are exactly as you as you stated. Uh, Many people don't even, you know, feel any um, symptoms, if you will, uh, after they've been infected. Uh, the real risk and the real reason that this is capturing headlines and, and getting people's attention is because you know some science, some af- evidence has has uh, come to light that suggests some rare dis- conditions um, can develop um, in people who are in- infected with the virus. I mean, specifically, um, you know, there's there've been cases of newborn babies um, with underdeveloped brains um, within women who tested positive for the Zika virus. Um, There's also uh, been cases of a um, muscle condition, muscle weakening condition um, that's been associated with the virus. Um, In both cases, you're you're talking about, you know, measuring it in the hundreds of people, uh, you know, in, in Brazil, for example, um, you know, 4,000 of the cases of undeve- underdeveloped brains, uh, 200 and something uh, were within women who tested positive for the virus. So it, this is not a, um, I, I, you know, I, I would probably put it uh, one step below Ebola. That being said, um, you know, yeah, if, if the World Health Organization and the CDB, CDC is saying, you know what, you better use some caution, then yeah, people should, should, should keep that in mind. Be cautious. Maybe if you're 
of childbearing age don't travel to, you know, those regions now, for now. Do we know yet confirm that this is a causation kind of thing and not correlation with the birth defects? Well, you know, the WHO usually doesn't overreact. I mean, they've, they've only, you know, put it, put something at this level three, this is the third time. So, I mean, they did it during the, the, uh, the flu virus back in 08, 09. They did it with the Ebola uh, in 14 and they're doing it now. You know, I, I think that that shows that there's the evidence is, is grounded, you know, that there is some science behind this. Um, but the other thing that we have to remember, too, is that, you know, the hundred and hundred or so cases that have been diagnosed here in the U.S., those are all within those are all travel related cases. You know, there, there's yet to be a case where, you know, someone has become infected with it from, you know, not leaving the country. Well, so I thought I saw in the news recently that there were 14 or so people that they think might have caught the disease through sexual transmission. That would be the exception, right? Because if you have a partner who traveled to those regions and then came back and was infected, um, and then you had unprotected sex, then the virus could get uh, could get spread that way as well. So the CDC has come out and said, you know, practice safe sex, <laughs> and and that significantly reduces that risk. Um, so yes, it's it's an, it, this is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. We'll probably see far more cases, probably get far more common because the mosquito that carries this virus is the same one that carries dengue fever, and you know dengue fever is extremely common, you know, with hundreds of millions of infections annually um, in those regions. So yeah, this is something that we're going to have to pay attention. Um, and there's some work that's being done, obviously, to to try and create a vaccine that you know, could stop it in its tracks, too. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is, as investors, are there any names that we can look to here to try to capitalize on this? You know, developing vaccines is not easy. Uh, it can take a very long time. Um, but there are a couple companies that have come out and said that they're they're doing some early work on a vaccine for it. Uh, early Sanofi. being the keyword. Yeah, early work. Uh, Sanofi um, is one. They have a very large... Uh, presence in vaccines, about $5 billion in annual sales. They just are in the process of rolling out a vaccine for the dengue, for dengue fever. Um, and they think that possibly some of the lessons they've learned uh, over the years can help them speed uh, a vaccine uh, along for, for this. Um, Inovia Pharmaceuticals uh, is another one. They have an interesting approach where they use a strand of DNA to craft a synthetic um, vaccine, if you will, that can be uh, given to people in early stage, really early stage. I mean, we're talking studies in mice. Um, it Not even some human. Of efficacy. Um, but, you know, investors need to remember that, you know, while money could get spent on this research, you know, the, I think um, the administration was seeking $1.8 billion in funding, and some of that's going to be heading towards research. Um, you know, vaccines take years to develop. So we're probably not going to see you know, anything reaching the market and commercialization potential, if you will, uh, for a while. 
Yeah, the reaction to Inovio has been really interesting because the stock has received a pretty substantial boost that seems to be tied to its work in developing a Zika, Zika vaccine. But they don't have a single product currently, and their pipeline has vaccines kind of all over the place for cancer, flu, Zika, Ebola. But as you mentioned, the Zika one is still not in human trials. So I'm not. Yeah, they're hoping for primates uh, and, then, and then to human trials. You know, I caution investors. Uh, whenever you hear something like Zika, 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 it makes you think, okay, you know, where, where, who, who may be the first to market with something like this? You don't want to get too the cart too far far ahead of the horse here. And you know, Inovio, they're working on some interesting stuff, but like you said, they've got nothing on the market yet. Um, you know, they got a similar pop in their stock share price when the Ebola scare um, was around because they're working on an Ebola. Uh, a, a vaccine, but you'll notice that 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 vaccine hasn't reached the market yet. You know, so temper that enthusiasm a little bit. If you're going to buy the stock, make sure you're not buying it solely because of the potential to create a Zika virus. That's why, you know, for investors, maybe you know Sanofi makes more sense because you've got you know a multinational large uh, drug company with a lot of different irons in the fire uh, reasons to own it, other than you know what you would see with an Inovio. Now, what about Intrexon? Where do they fit in? Well, they're um, they're an intriguing play because you know theoretically you can if you can engineer the DNA of a mosquito uh, so that you know that you're not reproducing uh, mosquitoes that have uh, that, that that can transmit the virus. You know, wouldn't that be great? I, I don't you know I don't know whether or not. Um, Intrexion is going to end up you know turning whatever they can come up with into a a commercial product that should drive investors to buy the stock. So again, I think you got to temper the enthusiasm or optimism about coming up with a solution and getting it to market, um, and instead own these companies based on their other irons in the fire. And if they if they're able to come up with something in Zika, then then that's 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 great. It's great for people. It's great for doctors. It's great for patients, and theoretically great for investors. Uh, but we're still so far away from that. Uh, you know, I. Approach with caution. So, all told, don't worry too much about Zika virus and don't get caught up in the hype of thinking it's a good investment either. Instead, I have a much better idea for you to occupy your mental power with. Leave us a review. Um, whether you listen on iTunes, Stitcher, elsewhere, it is extremely helpful to know what you guys think of the show. As always, you can also email us at industryfocus at fool.com. The second half of our show today was Todd's idea, so I'm going to let him tee it up. Well, I, th I thought it might be interesting to, now that we've got so many of the earnings reports uh, behind us, to take a look at the healthcare space because, it, you know, it's been a little beaten up um, and see what stocks uh, in the big, we'll call it mid and large cap area, are performing best since their earnings report. Um, you know, I wanted to look at companies that had market caps, you know, four or five billion or greater. I wanted to, find companies where maybe they reported earnings, you know, roughly a month ago, and then see where investors are still embracing those stocks and, and, and uh, as, as an indication that potentially that they may do well throughout the rest of the year. And three names jumped out that I thought would be worth bringing up and mentioning to investors as ideas to, to do a little bit more homework on and see if they're they'd be interesting uh, for investor portfolios. You know, one was uh, a health insurer, WellCare Health. 
another is involved in heart valves, that's Edwards Life Sciences. And the third is IMS Health, which uh, provides a lot of information and content throughout the healthcare industry. So thanks for your point about uh, doing your homework. I'll take this moment to remind everybody that people on the program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about. The Motley Fool could have formal recommendations for or against. Don't buy or sell based solely on what you hear. So with that, let's dig in. Uh, let's hear your 30-second elevator pitch for WellCare. Okay, so WellCare gets most of their money from um, running Medicaid programs, um, primarily in the South. So Florida and Georgia are its two biggest markets. Uh, those are non-expansion states, so they don't benefit from the enrollment pop that some other of their competitors may. Uh, that being said, they've got a very ambitious goal, and it looks like they're starting to deliver on it. That goal is to double their sales uh, over the course of the next five years and to significantly boost their earnings by growing their uh, margin from 1% today to 2% down the road. Uh, which is, you know, a doubling of margin, and you should have a very uh, profit-friendly uh, impact, <laughs> if you will, on its share price over that period. So um, I definitely want to hear more about how they're planning on doing that. But first, just for context, can you explain exactly what you mean by expansion state? Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. So as part of Obamacare, um, states could opt into Medicaid expansion, which would allow um, uh, Medicaid basically to enroll anyone who earned up to 138% of the federal poverty level. Not all states opted in. About 30, I think it's 32, 33 states decided to expand Medicaid. The remaining states chose not to. Uh, as a result, you know, Medicaid uh, insurers operating within states that expanded saw a very large increase in um, the number of people enrolling in those programs uh, versus non-expansion states. And as a result, that drove their revenue and their profit uh, substantially higher. Um, I think it was Kaiser Family Foundation reported double-digit growth in enrollment um, in the last fiscal year for expansion states and uh, maybe five or five or six percent growth for uh, non-expansion states. Um, so it's important, obviously, to understand that as investors, you know, where do, where do they get their business and why is it growing? Um, but in the case of WellCare, I think I think investors, you know, I mean, they've driven this stock up 22 uh, percent in the past month. And it's in my view, the, the excitement for that is really tied to this future outlook, the ability to grow its business through mergers and acquisitions, to be able to continue to uh, reach more members in uh, the states they already serve by, you know, increasing their, you know, star ratings, and, which is how a lot of people uh, go out and select. They also have a Medicare business. A lot of people go out and select their Medicare plans. Um, but I, I think that this is an intriguing company that is worthy of doing a little bit more research on um, as we, you know, for investors. Yeah, they're definitely a, a niche player with an interesting business model. Uh, let's turn towards Edward Life Sciences. So they're a, a medical device maker. Uh, they do artificial heart valves and uh, transcatheter heart valves in particular. Uh, what are you seeing here? Transcatheter heart valves are the procedure growth is enormous. You know, essentially what we're talking about here is we're talking about replacing heart valves in seniors or elderly patients that wouldn't qualify for open heart surgery because of you know other complications they may have. How so big of a market is that? It's a, I mean, sizable enough where this is a company that's that's bringing in uh, over a billion dollars in in you know it, it, you know 
in sales. I mean, you've got the company reporting 671 uh, million in fourth quarter sales uh, worldwide alone. So it's a $2.4 billion run rate, you yeah, know, $2.5 billion in 2015. So, and, it, and it's growing tremendously. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty niche kind of uh, tool. You know, it's used for just these people with high-risk uh, circumstances. But then you think about it, heart disease is America's number one killer. So this is an absolutely massive market to begin with. So even once you narrow it down to just patients that fit a certain criteria, it's still it's a pretty big market. Right, and you know, from from an investment standpoint, you've got you know a fairly large market. They've got plans to try and expand this to you know people who are at less risky, I guess, moderate risk patients, if you will. Um, so you could get patient volume procedure growth that way that would drive sales and revenue higher. Um, and you've got a company that has a really good balance sheet. I, I think they got $1.2 in cash and about half that in in debt. Um, you know, they've, they've beat earnings expectations in each of the last four quarters. And, you know, they're thinking that their earnings could continue to grow substantially this year. Is that anything to do with the recently implemented two-year suspension of the U.S. medical device tax? That's going to provide a tailwind. Yeah, I mean, in December, um, it was agreed to suspend that or delay, whatever, however you want to phrase it, the 2.3% tax that was implemented as part of Obamacare on medical device makers. So you get a nice natural tailwind there. Um, but again, I mean, they're, they're, they've got a substantial double-digit um, uptake increase in in sales for their transcatheter valves, and they've got the market share dominant uh, in Sapien product in that you know for that treatment. So, you know, this is one of those situations where I think you, you again investors are saying, okay, you know, we've got a company that's you know growing double digits. We've got a solid balance sheet. We've got a solid opportunity for future growth. I think that that makes this a, a stock that's worthy of people's attention. Okay, let's move on to our third and final stock, IMS Health Holdings, which is up 13% in the past month. Correct. You know, IMS Health, um, you know, may not be well known among you know the average investor, but anyone who is in the healthcare industry is probably familiar with them. Um, they're a huge provider of information content uh, across the health industry. Um, basically, you know, if, if a drug maker has a drug. Uh, and they want to know how it's performing in the marketplace, or they want to figure out how better to reach doctors and educate them on the benefits of their drug, they're going to be working with IMS um, to find out that information, uh, analyze that information, and then develop strategies uh, to go after and grow market share. Um, in the last you know, year, I and mean, it's a global company, so there's been some currency headwinds, you know, sales uh, are up you know, 20%. Um, 28% if you adjust back out the, the currency. Um, so I, I think that you, you look at this company and you say, well, are more drugs getting approved every year? Yes. Is the patient population uh, for medicine increasing? Yes. Um, what would, you know, are, are, are companies more and more interested in, in figuring out how to uh, drive market share growth? Yes. So, I mean, all of these are tailwinds that could help IMS continue to grow into the future. Um, that being said, it's been an acquisitive company. They do have some debt um, that investors should be aware of. Um, and it may not, you know, this, this of the three, maybe, you know, this, this one is, is my number three choice of these three to consider for portfolios. But that being said, then take a look at it and check it out because, you know, shares have, have maintained their 
rally over the course of the last month since the report. And, you know, content is important. It's it's key. So if these guys are your number three out of the three that we just discussed, and I'll end with this question, which one would be your favorite pick? Edwards. Oh, I think Edwards has the, has the, uh, the greatest opportunity for growth. It has reasonable valuation. The bottom line is growing nicely. I think they've got a really good market opportunity, a really good uh, market-leading product. Um, and then I would look to WellCare, and then I would look to IMS. All right. That was a high-conviction answer. I like it. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Todd. As always, folks, thanks for listening and fool on. 